0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this very, very happy episode of Every Step Along the Way. Now, joining me tonight is my ever Oh no. Oh no, he's not here. Michael Stockley will not be joining us tonight. No. He's 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 got overexcited at Stokes 2-0 over Middlesbrough. We've had to we've had to tuck him into bed. Um into bed early. So yes, he'll be back, no doubt, uh, for Fridays. Uh, Preston podcast. But yes, joining me tonight to look over the uh, wonderful victory over Middlesbrough and the head of the game against Leeds is our very own... What would you call yourself, mate? How are you, Tom? What's what's your title? Um,
2: Jack of all trades, that's what I usually say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our very own Jack of all trades. How are you, Tom? You alright, mate?
2: Yeah, mate, I've... I haven't felt like this on a Saturday night for quite a while. To be honest, um, it's been a good day, hasn't it?
1: It has. has it's been, do you know what? It's been very, very tiring as well. Though I think it was a oh, yeah. bit of a roller coaster. I know it doesn't sound it. You look at it, you think, "What two nil? Good goal in each half." What you know doesn't seem that much of a bit of a roller coaster, but you know, I think. Uh, just the whole build up, I think, sort of the three four day build up, the game ads, and and obviously then you're waiting all day, aren't you, from Saturday from when you get up, you're thinking about the match, you get in there, you see the team, um, you're wondering how the fans are going to react to what the club have said and what you know, obviously what John Walters has said. You know, will we start well? We we talked on the last podcast about the importance of the first goal. Are we going to be able to, you know, get that first goal? and I mean we'll we'll get into it in a minute but just have the whole build up and then everything and then after for me I'll be honest as I walked out the ground it was just like a massive just sort of like sigh of relief like, like I let it all out like oh
2: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what you mean it's it's been a long build up and on the way to the ground today I was just oh. <laughs> I was I was optimistic and I said to you guys, I said, I've, I've let myself get too optimistic. And I don't know why I do it to myself because usually it all crumbles down on me after. um but yeah, I think the build-up and then obviously the game, like, it was, like I say, it was only one goal each half but it just seemed to keep going and things were happening left, right and centre. Um, my throat feels like it's got a million pins in it but I don't even care. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great atmosphere, and yeah, I feel the same. As soon as I walked out of that ground, I, I just kind of looked at the sky and said, Thank you. <laughs> it's just, Please, thank you. That's all
1: we needed. Yeah, it was an amazing one. It? And it, I think they were slightly worried as well as to if it hadn't gone well today, where would we have turned exactly? Because it, it felt to me that the club had put all their eggs in the basket for today. Every card, every Joker card, you know, whatever they got, it was all on the table wanted today. You know, they had the the uh had yeah, the legend there, didn't they? Obviously, Robert Tooth come back, get the crowd. They had um the a battle cry from from Johnny Walters asking them, you know, the fans to, to sort of get behind them and everything and and, and the players wanted it and you you know, they, they put about thirty-five pre match um Tweets and and, and posts out on on sort of Twitter and, and Facebook and that about the game and getting behind the lads and bring the noise, um, you know. You you do that, we'll do the rest of it. Like and you just think, if it had gone wrong, they couldn't have repeated any of that. So what, how exactly would they have, you know, kept people on side?
2: Yeah, I don't know how they would have done it to be honest. And I said to my mate when I got there, I said. If we lose today, after all of this, then I'm just gonna. It would have been the most deflated I've ever been, because, like you say, all the eggs are in the basket for today. We've got a game against Leeds on Tuesday, which, let's be honest, we're probably not going to get anything from. Um, Although you know what we're like when we play against teams we shouldn't be beating. Um, But if we had lost today, lost against Leeds, and then if we went into the Pester game, which is going to to be very tough. If we'd lost that as well, I think mathematically, we wouldn't have been down and out, but I think the players would have just and the fans would have just not given up, but not seen a way back
1: yeah I think you're probably you're, you're probably right there. I mean like I say this it would have it would have been a real struggle to to create the same kind of sort of um anticipation for a game as, as there was going into this one and and it was I mean we walked in there there was a lot of people you could hear murmurings I mean I, I sort of walked down from sort of Blurton Way and you could and sort of Erin Cross and you could hear people talking about you know the, the Walters thing and and the atmosphere and so it was yeah it had got around that the whole thing and and we got in there and there was a little bit of a sort of a buzz wasn't there and and they say that the, the teams come out and as the teams were being read out, the, the crowd had already started, hadn't they, singing and that. And uh, I know the, the, the guy I went with said, you know, I've never, you know, this season, I said, I've not seen anything like that from the fans. You know, before the kickoff, they were really you know, up for it so much already. It
2: definitely worked what Johnny Walters had asked for. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I was a bit sceptical of whether it it would work. I went there with the full intention of, you know, giving him what he asked for. Um, I thought it would just be the same old where we'd have a couple of Grand Stokes at the beginning and it kind of die off. Um, but, yeah, I was the same as you. As soon as, that, as soon as the singing started, before they'd even come out, I thought, yeah, this is going to be a good atmosphere today. Um, and then one thing I did notice... Um, when the players did come out to, you know, to giving each other high-fives and everything just before they kick-off, Leron was walking around, and he was absolutely pumped for it. And I hope someone's got a video of it. Because he was... I'm surprised he didn't break someone's arms. He was high-fiving him that hard. Um, and, yeah, that's when I knew. I just had a good feeling. Um, luckily, it, it all works out to plan. Because uh, if we had done all that and lost, it would have been like, well, we give you what you asked for, and... We've still got nothing in return, so I think, yeah, it would have been bad going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Loren there. I mean, obviously, he was back starting once he had, a, you know, quite a considerable chunk of the uh, the game at Cardiff last week and impressed enough to come in. So he came in, Kundal dropped out. Um Loren also took the armband as well, which is incidentally we had three captains in midfield today, didn't we? We had the <laughs> we had the um, <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. former Captain Baker, the current captain Loren and the captain in waiting in big <laughs> Um so yeah, so we got obviously the the Loren came in and for Kundal and Hoover came in for um, Junior Chamber, who's going to be out for a couple of months with an injury, and obviously Thompson's too much banned, so Gooch came in for him at left back. So, just the three changes for Shiri Roulette. Uh, how did you feel? Obviously, at, uh, two minutes past two when
2: when you've seen that team news. Um, I was, uh, it, it was, yeah, I, th- I think the back four kind of vent itself out with injuries and suspensions, like you've said. Um... The midfield three I was very happy to see because I wanted to see them three together. I feel like I felt like it would have had a good balance. Um and if I'm honest, I think them three were incredible today. The I think they just complement each other so well. Um we got Bigger sitting back a little bit, you got Lorron who's back and forward, back and forward, and then Baker who's a little bit more attacking minded. Um and then the front three, I mean I thought they were good last week, but them three, uh, yeah, I think they're the first three on the team sheet now, especially the wingers. Bay and Manhoff just ripped them to shreds. I mean, Bay made Luke Ayling look like he was a Sunday league player, absolutely ripped him apart.
1: Yeah, and to think, you know, Luke Ayling was a Premier League player last season. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, a yeah. top player for Leeds, obviously, this season. And, and like I say, he just, he just, did what? There was, was no match for him at all, was it He's he just glided past him time again, and I mean, like I say you had Juno on one wing and Manhof on the other. Some of the touches and the little just sort of flicks, and and it's not for show either, is it? It's not. He's not doing it just to show off. He's doing it because he, it's, it's the best way to get past somebody or or take somebody on. And I think he looks like a real player. I think when he's
2: fully settled he's going to be a cracking player going forward for this club yeah I think he's certainly more game by game as well it feels like every game he's 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 growing that confidence and he's doing them little them little moves more and more um, I mean I think up on the in our little group chat earlier that I think it was like four or five occasions the ball's bouncing and every single time the fullback came out to him he just dinked it over him and he was off um, but yeah he's I was listening to the uh, uh, Robert Cook, uh spaces earlier and somebody said Junho and Manoff are like Bojan and Shakiri reincarnated. <laughs> and yeah. I, I can't even disagree because they genuinely do give me them vibes. Um, I think the goal that base goal today, which we'll probably get on after, um, that was a real Ann goal that. But he's just side for today, bank corner made it look easy, but in reality it was a cracking goal.
1: Yeah, so we just need to find ourselves a little on it now, don't we? Yeah, Come that's what
2: we're trio. missing. Complete the trio, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so man off, like we say, just um the little tricks and, and it all seems to be with a purpose for me. And I said to, to, to sort of with, that what I really like about him as well is like he he has come ready for the English game, and he's, he's you know he's, he can be quite physical as well, and he knows about chasing back. He understands the role that he's playing, and you know he's not somebody who just watches his teammates defend. He gets back and helps out. I mean, he was buzzing around all sorts of areas when we needed to, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, for the first game, you could see he had that gun use instantly. He sprinted back full pelt. I mean, how the guy didn't run out of steam earlier, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think, with the physicality side, I think, he, he, he didn't get clattered, but you know, he had he had people grabbing on him, and you know, on his toes, every time he got the ball pretty much, and nine times out of ten, he was getting the better of them, so, yeah, I think he's a lot more ready than what some of them were, um, and obviously, he, he's getting better game by game, I think, so, it could be a massive part. As we talk, we're talking like where, you know, this is pre season, but you know, we're still in <laughs> the bottom
1: three as it stands. But yeah. I, if we can stay, if you know, if we can now build on this and stay up, if we've got, you know, like a, a man off on one side, Juno twelve months, you know, further down the line on the other wing, um, obviously also can drop and play centre midfield in other weeks. It's like, you know, all the recruitment areas that we can bring people in. Uh, I'm actually, you know, there's players in here, there's, there are players in this squad that really excite me.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's been some games where it's just been terrible across the board, but in most of the games we've played good football, it's just, it's been the simple stuff, leaking silly goals and not taking our chances. I think if if we manage to stay up, Summer focus obviously is clear now. We need a centre back. Well, probably gonna need two actually because Minali will be going back. Um, we need I'd probably say two left backs to be fair because Stevens doesn't look like he's gonna be able to keep fit. Um, and a striker, someone who can start burying the chances. Um, I do like Ennis, he runs a lot. Um, I think it's exactly what we need at the minute. Um, but yeah, we do need. It's the same old story. We we need that 15-plus goal scorer, which obviously they don't grow on trees. You've got... And championship clubs can't afford to buy them. It's a case of trying to find someone who fits the system and if it works, it works. Um, We've tried to buy, tried and tested, and obviously, look what happened with Dwight Gale. So (laughs) it obviously doesn't work. Um, But yeah, I think a striker... And then mainly defence, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right there and get a permanent goalkeeper in. And yeah, uh, talking of goalkeepers, I mean, what a difference this save could make. This could actually be. You I mean, you talk about like turning points in a season and yeah. moments that flip things around. I mean, what were we? I think we were about five, six minutes into the game, if I remember rightly. And like I say, there's been a. A couple, a couple of, um, sort of passes. Do you know what? If there's been that much going on, I can't even remember, really remember the Bills without watching it back. <laughs> uh, but what, all I remember is there was a Middlesbrough player bearing down on goal. <laughs> and yep. Daniel Everson's come like a cheater, sprinted from his six-yard box and just threw himself at the player's feet anti to block the shot. And then we've you know, defended well and 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 got rid of it and and sort of built on that moment. But if that ball ends up in the back of the net, you know, I do wonder what would have happened because it's easy enough to say that the crowd were massively behind him and we would have stayed with him and would have done that. But it's like I say, that's easy to say, harder to actually do, and especially with a crowd that's that's already teetering on. Um, how oh, shall we say having a short fuse with the club at recent times
2: yeah I think it's, the, it's these moments where usually it's against us rather than in our favour it's usually us having the chance and the save being made or us having a chance and missing the target Um so it, it's it's nice to be on the other the other foot Um I think, yeah, it was was a good save, cracking save. And I think when he made that save, that kind of riled the fans up even more. Um, And a lot could be said about him today with his distribution. I mean, them kicks, it was was like a mirror image every time. Every single kick, he just swung outwards and went out of play. Um, But I'm sure everybody will let him off with a, a clean sheet and obviously saving that. That shots at 0 nil, which probably would have led to the game looking very very different.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because then all of a sudden we we knew we have got to score twice, and I think that's what does it for a lot of players. And we yeah. mentioned last week on the pod that you know, if anything, I don't personally think these players lack ability. I think they are very very fragile mentally. I think that's where the the issues come from. And like you say, if they'd gone one nil down, you just don't know what would have happened. Um, but talking about big canties, it's usually us missing them. Man Huff then sort of blotted his copybook the only real time in the afternoon, didn't he? How did he miss the target with that? You know, well, the, A great little move, high press, won the ball, little interchange with the midfielders, playing him in. I just thought, here we go, I was just waiting for the net to bulge.
2: Yeah, I think... I mean, you could say it was his weaker foot, but even still, I think you've got to at least hit the target there, haven't you? i tell you what though, when he did miss that shot, I thought Man, that's the moment, <laughs> I thought that's the moment where everything's going to flip on its head, and I was half expecting them to take the goal kick and score, because that's usually what happens, we'll miss a big chance, they run down the other end, 1-0. Um, but yeah, I th- yeah, I don't know, I don't know why we missed it, I can't even give an explanation for it, to be honest, um,
1: I mean, I I talk about the sort of, like, missed chances. I it was not not sort of of going in any um, chronological order here, Um, but there was a few in the second half on the chances. I mean, I thought first half it was quite an even match. I think we shaded it, but Middlesbrough were definitely into it. And if we'd have gone in half-time about 2-2, I don't think anyone could have complained, really. Um, You know, Both sides had big chances and they didn't put away. I mean, there was the one... um, the other one for for uh, Middlesbrough was, was I think Wilmot I think was trying to sort of shepherd the a bouncing ball back to the goal back to Monty and Everton there was a bit of miscommunication and and the strikers sort of knocked it around Everson, and then tried to put it in from a tight angle I think Michael Rose just slid in and as this any slide he's you know, intercepted this shot and just killed the ball dead about a yard in front of the line I thought. I thought that could very easily have gone wrong. That is some real top-notch defending there for me just to, you know, to kill the ball there and not end up tangling the back of the net with it under your feet or something. I think you quite often see defenders do that, don't you? Especially, you know, not sort of top-level ones.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, that was another moment where I thought, goal Um, here. Masuda took it around, i yeah, had the shot and, he was he was really good for most to be honest um, he could have easily hit the wrong part of his body and gone in um, I think there was just on uh, mischances what was it
1: I'll be honest I was at that point as well I was waiting I mean I love Benwell I think he's great obviously you know I don't think he's been fantastic lately I think since his injury his, his form's not been there but it he, he was a nasty injury so I'll let him off you know he's he's building back up. I thought they were both better today, but I was just waiting. The way our luck's been, if Rose slides in, stops the ball dead as he's going past, and Wilmot, see the danger of a ball, a stationary ball, a yard from the line, just runs up and bootseated it, it, going like against Rose into the net or something. <laughs>
2: and we're like, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be the most stoked thing ever this season. <laughs>
1: All like straight into Rose's face and back in and back. <laughs> 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 oh, he
2: he wouldn't even surprise
1: me, that's the worst thing. Uh, yeah, probably would have concussed him as well at the same time. Would have had to bring Karen Clark in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, I think, like I say, second half, I thought we had a lot more chances and there was. There was the one one that the um the pressing that it was sort of like it was almost like Gangam press, wasn't it? Second half, how high up we were and everybody was pushing right onto their the opposite number. Not giving mean, them the amount of times we won the ball sort of in their third. And there was that one time where we won it like this was about eight yards from goal. And Josh Lawrence sort of rolled it to Baker into Baker sort of like he just I think he would put pressure on the on the on the on the defender, and he's turned round and the ball's played to him and he's like, "Oh, I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know where anybody is." And I think then he <laughs> laid it back to Loren, didn't he? And Lorenz sort of uh, had a shot from a bit of a tight angle, and the keeper sort of put it behind for a corner, and then they sort of looked at each other. And Loren looked at him and said, "Why didn't you just finish that? I'm just you <laughs> the ball." And he, I, and he sort of like pointed to his eyes and then pointed around as if saying, I got it, but in that split second, I didn't know where any—I didn't know where the defenders were. I didn't know where the goal was. I, I literally just turned around, the ball's like at my feet. He his back to goal, and he's like, "Oh, um, there, I just have it back." <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I, I think but, that yeah. was um, that was another one of their moments as well. Where <laughs> if that was the other end, it would have been buried, no doubt about it. And yeah, I said to so. my mate straight away, I said, "This is the difference." <laughs> and, I thought that was the turning point as well. It's just I every that, time something like that happens. It's just like I've just got this horrid fear of them just running down the other end and scoring. It's because it's happened so many times, Tom. It says that, <laughs> honestly, it gives but, me yeah. nightmares.
1: I think we, we like they were, we were sat as well. It was all a bit like, oh, that was the one. That was the chance. That could have made it to now. <laughs> well.
2: Yeah, that's what it is now. That's what it's labelled as. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um but yeah, I'd it that could have made it 2-0. Um the chance that the goal that made it one 0 what a goal that was. First home goal for Juno, Um following up from his his opening Stoke Strike last weekend. And this one this one had a little bit more flair in it than the uh, follow up from the free kick last week, didn't
2: it? Yeah, um I mean, like I said earlier, it was it was it was a Bowiean-esque goal. Um I mean, he did really well because Alien. Um, I haven't seen a close up of it, but I heard somebody say that Alien was like snapping at his ankles at the time. And he just sent Alien flying and just taking a touch. And I think the finish is brilliant. Just front post, nice and low, side footed it. Great goal. Just stay calm, didn't he? Just complete calmness in yeah, it. Yeah, such such a composed yeah. finish.
1: Yeah, he hasn't tried to lace it or anything, has he, from there or. Panicked, he just took his time, sized up, and just picked the right moment and the right um, the right sort of execution, and just pinged it in the bottom corner. But like I say, the the difference in John Ho now from the player that arrived in August, the player we have now, the physicality. I remember those first few games on the wing, and he hadn't. I'll be honest, he he looks like he hadn't got a clue what he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, I think centre midfield. He's always been all right. He's always, but now, for me now, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, like I said, the, the the progression in his game, as as especially on that left wing, is is just amazing in just a few months. Um, he's such a talent.
2: Yeah, I think, I think his his overall play is is improved so much. Um, taking people on his confidence his passing Um, I actually said a couple of weeks ago and I I keep saying it to everybody I speak to I said he's literally got everything he just needs the end product and if he gets the end products he will genuinely be and this isn't even with my red tinted glasses on he will be one of the best in the league because people just can't get near him and if he's scoring goals whilst doing that as well he is going to be some player Um, I don't think he'll be around for long if he does keep on doing it, um, but it should be a hefty transfer fee um, if he does move on, which is obviously part of the reason we brought him here, so we can reinvest with the profit. Um, but yeah, it he will. It'll beat my heart when he goes because he is turning into a cracking player and I think he's he's going to go to the top.
1: Yeah, he's got such a, he's got an engine, he's got the close control. Like I say, he's now if he's now starting to add goals to his game as well, like saying end product, goals, assists. Um, he's got the physicality, doesn't mind getting stuck in. Um, he's like a little terrier trying to win the ball as well. And I think when we're trying to do a high press, he's a oh, such such an asset to have. Um, but it's interesting though we were sort of saying when we were watching him that he actually if you watch him closely i think he's very good at pushing the, the lines with referees like he will do basically i'll i'll call it that as i say it he does a lot of fouls and gets away with them <laughs> like <laughs> when he when he's over like when he's over plays, he can be over physical like over physical with them but because because he comes from south korea and he's a very slight and sort of physique. I think he's actually quite you know, filled out quite well until now. But because he comes across as a slight guy from South Korea, I think the players are like I can't I can't be going you know being pushed off the ball by him. And also in this in the same way as sort of Peter Crouch or and probably Wesley Wood now used to get a lot of free kicks given against them that weren't fouls purely because of how big they were. The referees were like, oh well, that's obviously a foul. It's like, no, it's not. I'm just but my bottom six foot seven, mate. <laughs> um I think with Joe know it's the other way. The referees look at him and go, he's not gonna foul you. Look at him. <laughs> That's not a foul. <laughs> it's a, um and and I'm not complaining, more to it. You keep going, you keep going lad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I I think the same, to be fair, um I think the other thing as well, he's, he's very quiet on the pitch and he's never given the ref grief so the ref, probably doesn't even notice him all the time. Um, at the end of the day, you got a wing with a full-back on you, especially someone like Aileen and he's given it back. I'm sure, I bet the referee kind of enjoyed it, to be honest. I mean, I enjoyed it, especially when he sent Aileen flying for that goal, it was brilliant because Aylin was obviously trying to wind the fans up with um, all the build-up to the game by... Taking you know thirty seconds to pick a ball up and whatnot, um, but yeah, I think he's definitely got some physicality about him now. And he's he's got, he's got like that the fire in his belly. You can tell, um, especially after he scored, he was absolutely flying, and you could tell he was loving his time out there.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, I mean, he like say with the goal. The one, the other thing I did notice with it as well, like, is. He, he puts his foot to shield the ball when he, when Ailing goes flying Ailing's coming up on, on the, sort of the inside of him to the right hand side of him and he just sort of puts his foot across the front of him which I think then he sort of leans into and sends him flying it's like that awareness now and that knowledge that you know, this is the English Championship and you are going to have to protect yourself and protect the ball at all times, really. And, you know, expect somebody to come flying into you from all different angles. And it's like he's, he's learned that so so quickly and so he's adapted now. And it does give me, if we can keep hold of him, um, so much probably does depend on, you know, what league we're playing in next year, then... Yeah, he's such he'll be a massive asset going future go in the future, sorry.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I think him and Berger are probably the two who are going to be headhunted the most. Um and I'd love them both to stay, but Yeah, you know, he, he was already you know, he was already known before the he was signing them that this this is the the model they're gonna work on now is buying abroad, selling on for profit. Um Let's just hope they can uh, reinvest the money and uh, have a better hit rate than what they currently have. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I'm, I'm hoping that if because they haven't got to spread the money so thinly, like they haven't got to go out and get an, an entire new squad this time. They can concentrate on making
2: less but better
1: signings.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've. I've... Success. Yeah, I was I was speaking to my mate about it. To be honest, I, I didn't realise like the, the guys who we've actually spent you know quite a bit of money on and the ones that are performing, um, excluding my obviously. But I do not think Mai's bad. It's just he had a poor attitude, but obviously he's overcome that now because he'll be coming back into the team apparently once he's uh, recovered from this injury. Um, but the likes of Berg and Manhoff Bay Junior. Who we've spent the money on, they all seem to, you know, to the best of performers, um, excluding the guys who were already here. Um, so yeah, like you say, instead of spending fifty million on twenty-four players, we could, you know, if we could get say twenty million for big or whatever, just a random figure, we could be spending twenty million on four or five players instead. So hopefully, we get better quality.
1: Yeah, I think if anyone bids anywhere near twenty million, I think you'll probably be off. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, John Coates will be flying him in his helicopter
1: and <laughs> <laughs> saying, "Right, right, Jared, who am I picking up on the way back?
2: Who's the replacement?
1: Where? What country am I flying to now? How far is Yeah. Um, how much for that Morgan a bloke? I'll <laughs> <You can't laughs> play send your head. Yeah, so I mean, sort of getting back to sort of the rest of the game. I mean, we've, like we said, the first half I felt was. A little bit more even in the second half, though. We just, yeah, you know, we just took control. I think they continually tried to play it out from the back. And if that's sort of another another nail in the coffin for trying to pass the ball out from the back, is that, you know, we took advantage of it so many times, didn't we? And like I say, we won the ball back so often. It just they invited so much pressure on themselves. And I couldn't quite make my mind up to, on... Um, this, the, uh, the the centre backs obviously that we we tried to sign is it Matt Smith with the, the guy we tried to sign from um, Brighton didn't we a couple of years ago and he went there instead I was like what yeah. I have him in this side <laughs> Matt Clark yeah.
2: Matt Clark Matt Clark that's it yeah I was trying to think then Smith and uh, yeah Matt Clark um, if I'm honest he, he doesn't he well, I don't know about him much to be fair so I don't want to Comment on it too much, but he didn't look like somebody who can play out from the back, to be honest with you. I thought he looked a bit sluggish and a bit robotic, Um, but yeah, I think the pressing in the second half was brilliant. Um, It wasn't pressing to an extent where we're leaving gaps, it was kind of you know, press the nearest man would press, the ball gets passed, the next man would press. Um, instead of having you know four or five players running to one guy and leaving a massive gap, um, I think tactically he got it bang on today. Um, and he said in the press conference after that, um, basically he eliminated a lot of the risk elements to the system, um, which is obviously what the fans have been crying out for with the inverted wing backs and whatnot because it's clearly not working with these players, um, and he's going to need a window in the summer to get that implemented. I think. Um, so, he's, he's you know made a bit a bit more lean back, um, and I think the balance of pressing and staying solid at the back was great today.
1: Yeah, I noticed that myself. That the the backs and I think they both deserve a bit of praise. I'll probably talk about them now. But they like I say they were never sort of darting into the midfield areas where the I know I, I sort of said in the pod before and the last week that for me. As much as he wants to stick to his values and stick to what he believes in, now isn't the time for that, because is, is he willing to risk his job and, and our championship status on, on continuing to do something that wasn't working? And it was good to see that he parked it, and I'm not saying he needs to park it forever, but for these next few games, until we get enough points... You know, whether that's in, five, you know, we have going a bit of a run and that's in five, six games time, or whether it takes us up till the, you know, the last game against Bristol City, Whatever, until we are safe in this division, I think you just need to park it, let the players play something they're familiar with and they're comfortable with, and then come the summer, you can say, right lads, we're not going to do this, but you know what, when you come back at the end of June for preseason training. I've got six weeks of learning this system because this is how we're playing next season. And that's that's fair enough. <laughs> he's, he's got time to implement it, he's got friendlies to implement it in. Um, people can go out there and, 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 and sort of learn and develop into their roles. But right now, not the time. And it's good that he saw that himself. And uh, that's a positive in a manager because there's, there's too many managers, I think, especially with stuff where like they're like, playing. Doing things that aren't working and are costing their size games, and they just keep doing it because they are sort of they've pigeonholed themselves into this system or this style. And I think it shows it shows a strong manager who's able to to go away from his idealistics to um, play a different style.
2: Yeah, I think that's what we saw when Nathan Jones it with his diamond, the godforsaken diamond. Um, he just he wouldn't let it go, would he? And he wouldn't let it go till the end. Um, but yeah, I think the most important thing. now, it, it was kind of a hybrid today. I think it, it was kind of like Alex Neal slash Schumacher, but in a positive way. So they kept the shape, but the pressing was there. But it wasn't any of this passing him on the back. It was always look forward, but you know, don't get carried away and leave gaps at the back. Um, and I think with the players we've got the minute. I think it was bang on, and I'm hoping that this is the system he sticks to now. Um, and hopefully, we go you know, I'm not expecting five wins in a row, but you know, start picking up some more points rather than losing week in, week out with a win here and there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, like I said, looking at the full-backs, I thought, you know, Lyndon Gucci's come in, he's been in and out. Been on the right, but on the left, but on the wing, going a full back, with a wing back. But you know, he come in, and I thought he was really reliable today. He, he was Lyndon Gup 20 but this, you know, with the crowd up for it and sort of a relegation battle side, I think that's perfectly made for players like Gup Is he's, he's going to go out there? He's going to give you hundred percent every week, and you know that you know he's he's going to leave it all out there and. I think players like him as well, probably why Loren was brought in for Kundal maybe. If you get in an atmosphere going, they're the kind of players who can get stuck in and keep that atmosphere going, keep the fans up and cheering, especially Stoke fans, you know. Not all supporters like that kind of stuff, but you know, it's been proven over many, many years that Stoke fans love to see somebody showing a bit of commitment and getting stuck into the opposition.
2: Yeah, I thought Gooch was brilliant. Um I'm sure it helps that he was playing middles obviously being a uh, honorary Macam. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Gooch was brilliant up to that Sunderland game, wasn't he? And then obviously the stuff happened online with social media and the Ad Sport tweets out saying that, you know, he's enjoying being here, um and whatnot, which is he shouldn't have needed to do. Um but yeah, I think the atmosphere today boosted everybody's confidence and I think going back to what you said earlier they are they, they've shown that they can play football because some of the performances have been brilliant it's just it was the confidence and I think today the atmosphere is definitely a million percent given a push because it can't be a coincidence that you know Walter's message to the fans the fans have turned up and produced an atmosphere like that and they've come out 2-0 winners um, and it Apart from that, a bit scrappy at the beginning, in every looked in doubt either. No,
3: and I think
1: if you want to talk one player who epitomises confidence and how it can affect players, and
2: oh, I know um, you where you going here, <laughs>
1: yeah, and how that sort of if it changes back, what a difference you can see. Um, take a bowkey on a Hoover. I thought he was fantastic today. I thought he, defensively he was strong, he was solid. I don't think I don't think he lost a header. And I'm sure if you ask Keanu and asked him what the weakest point of his game was, I think he'd probably tell you it was heading. But, <laughs> um, but you know, he was strong. And somebody said to me down at the game, he said, you know what? He said, I think he comes across as... Um, it's one of them, when he's doing well... <laughs> He's suave and he's he's cool, mean? You know, because he's got that sort of languid Dutch way anti where everything's sort of chilled and relaxed in his in his sort of body, you know, how he carries himself. And when you're going well, that's all good and everyone thinks, oh, look how great he looks. But I think when he goes wrong, he just switches people's to being, oh, look at him, he doesn't care, look at him, he can't be bothered. Him, he's just stood there all... And I think he obviously does, because if he didn't care... His confidence wouldn't be shot to pieces because he wouldn't care, <laughs> so it wouldn't affect him. <laughs> um So for me, he really—I think—I think he does care. I think that's pretty obvious. And I thought today, like I say, defensively he was strong. I don't think he really lost out. Um I think there might have been there was one one time I think wasn't there where uh did he he sort of just miscontrolled the ball and tear. he went straight out. Uh, other than that. I think everybody, I say, the, the fans sort of stuck behind him. Um, and, and, and obviously, he grew into that. And I think, I said to you, he got to about the 60-minute mark. And it was as if, in his head, he thought, I've got to an hour here, and I haven't made a mistake. And all of a sudden, he turned into last season's were going forward then as well. He'd had the defensive solidity, and now he was adding all the attacking stuff into it as well. He was making runs and putting crosses in. And I thought, here we go. So it'll be nice to see whether he carries that forward into the next game as well, or is he, again, going to be start, start Louis's game one mistake away from going back to what he was?
2: Yeah, I, I can, first off, I completely agree. Um, first off, yeah, like I say, I think he had that poor touch, didn't he? Um, and there was a moment where he made a pass to Manuf and... Well, I think he was trying to get past Manoff actually, and he just hit Manoff, and he got a bit of a groan. But I don't think he really had any other options. I think he was trying to come in field, and Manoff just happened to be in the way essentially. Um, but yeah, I thought second off, it was it was like something just clicked, and he was flying forward, and he was the Hoover last season. The touches were brilliant. You know, he's he's. Little one-twos getting around the outside, coming inside, whipping balls in. Um, it was serious. Like It was him last season. He just came out of nowhere. Um, and I'm hoping, like you say, I'm hoping he carries that into
3: the next game um, because he is definitely a confidence player. Today's proven that. Yeah, and he's going to have a. T- you know, I don't think there are many more attacking
1: outlets out there other than the Leeds squad. I mean, I think somebody said today that when they're not winning, all they do is just throw on another attacker. So, if we do get into a positive position on Tuesday, he's going to have to stay focused and, um, you know, on his game right up until the final whistle. It's going to be a great test for him after today. I just hope that. It, it does he builds on it and it becomes a momentum thing with him and he doesn't revert back to the hoover that we've had, you know, for the majority of the four or five months, would you say?
2: Yeah, he's I mean obviously he started the season great, didn't he? He, he got the first goal of the season. Um and when he scored that goal I just thought and what a goal. <laughs> yeah, he was a cracking goal. Yeah. Um and obviously that first day, <laughs> got everybody's hopes up. I thought me and my friend were saying, oh, finally, this is it. It's happening. Um, and then <laughs> we ended up bottom three. Um, but, yeah, I think... When,
1: when you said against Room, finally, it's happening, we're getting out of this league. We didn't think it would be via the relegation part.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I thought we were going the other way. <laughs> I think he's... Um, Definitely one of the most fragile players in terms of confidence depicts performances. Um, I don't think anybody obviously, I don't think anybody's confidence is up at the minute because things aren't going well. Um, but I think today's proven us as fans can help change that. Um, and even if we don't get much luck on the road, because the away fans are always brilliant, um, I think if we can turn that stadium into a fortress for, I think, it's it five home games remaining? Them five home games would be massive, especially if we can pick you know, three wins in a draw up or whatever it is. Um it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be huge. Um so hopefully everybody sticks behind them. And today wasn't just a one off to please uh, Johnny Walters. Um and I'm hoping yeah, turn into a fortress for the rest of the season, and keep us up.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got some favourable games. We? We've got Bristol City, who are likely to have nothing played for come the final day. Um, we've got uh, Plymouth, who, on the contrary on the contrary to that, are probably going to be in the thick of it with us, as it stands, uh, with ridiculous tightness of how the bottom of this league now looks. Um, it's going to be an interesting one, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Norwich is bang in form, aren't they? Huddersfield—they're going to be still in the mind. You'd imagine by the time we get to play them, so, yeah. There's, there's some very interesting um, sort of home games coming up, and some very winnable ones as well. There's some, definitely we could uh, go on a little home run. Probably do, you know, Probably end up winning. Winning the last uh, five wait, winning the last five or six home games of the season to go with the first five or six. It's just the middle
2: part that we suffered a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping we can have a March like last year as well, where we, uh, it was March 20, where we played all the uh, teams who were up yeah. there and somehow <laughs> came out of it unbeaten. I don't know how we did it, but yeah, I want to mind that again.
1: Well, we're currently, I mean, if you look at the form table as it stands, last five matches, our next four games <laughs> um, are all against sides who fare pretty well. I mean, Leeds are second with 13 points in the last five. Obviously, the only points they dropped were today, which actually was the first time. They had nine consecutive wins, didn't they, before today when they played Um And then we played away at Preston, who were fifth in that league uh, for the last five matches. And then we played Norwich, who were fourth. And then after that, we played Hull, who were sixth. So we've got 40, four, games against, four <laughs> games against the team's banging form. However... This is the championship, and you know what teams do, don't you? They go on a little good run, five, six games, and then they'll have three or four, five games where they're off it. That's generally how probably about 50%, 60% of this league go through the season, into up and down. Um, and the ones who get promoted are the ones who can sort of eke out two or three extra games when they're on a good run and end the bad ones a bit earlier. So if all these teams are on good runs now, you'd imagine, you know, we can end at least one of them, I reckon. I have to be positive. I yeah. can do it. Yeah, I
3: definitely feel more day. positive
2: than I did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, could beat anyone. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I am more positive about as
1: well, and it's the second goal. So, I'm more positive now about taking corners. What a nice little training ground routine that was.
2: Yeah, it was great. Um, I think the funny thing, the funny, th- funny thing about it was. Uh, as we were going to take the corner, uh, my friend's little boy mentioned something about a scoring <laughs> and my friend said, "Don't be silly, it's a corner. We don't score from corners." And when he took the corner short, I said, "Goal!" <laughs> Next thing you know, it comes on to Baker, who hits it and he deflects and goes in. Um, I think lesson learned there: stop pointing crosses in and start taking them short, essentially. Um, but yeah, it was a great work. Obviously, works on in the training ground. Um, I don't know if you seen Chewy talking after. Um, he said he, he ran straight over to Gally because Gally was the one who came up with you by the sounds of it. Um, but yeah, it's these little things that change, completely change a season essentially though, isn't it? Um, you can put crosses in all day, but if there's nobody in on the end of them, you're never going to score, so you've got to try something else. And today it's paid off and got the a second goal and probably sealed the win and give Bother no hope for getting anything from it as well
1: well this is it I mean I can't remember the last time we um, scored like off a, a, a sort of a you know a floated corner if you like or you know one put into air really. I know Michael Rose won quite a few headers, didn't he, against Coventry a couple of weeks ago. I think he won about three or four, but he yeah.
2: didn't get any of them on target. Yeah, I think every single one went over, it, didn't it? he? I think he slapped himself in the head or something. <laughs> every <laughs> single one went to the same place. He was over the bar, over the bar, over the bar. I, I,
1: think, I think he got that repetitive. The fans were like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, it comes to something, usually, usually we're like, wow, we've we've won a header at a corner. And he'd done it that often, that people were like, it wasn't the, we weren't impressed that we were winning the header. It was like, for God's sake, we'll just get this on target once. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the shot itself, some would say, was going straight into the goalkeeper. Didn't Wasn't the cleanest of strikes, probably one of the uncomfortable saves, but it took a little deflection and gone in and you know what what I say to that is when you've got a penalty area there with about 15-16 players in there you just hit the ball you just hit it and if you don't even if you don't make a clean strike it doesn't matter because all it takes is a little nick like that and it'll end up in the back of the net and that's exactly what it does if you take a touch and then play the ball back out wide for somebody else uh, to have it to, for a crossing or something like that then, you, then that goal doesn't happen does it so I'm all for people just take a
2: shot I don't care that it took a deflection. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to that old saying, do not it? If you don't buy a ticket, you're not going to win. Um, I think one thing, which again, should be said after, um, one thing we tend to do from them positions is try ping it top corner and nine times out of ten it goes over. Um, so, yeah, hit it hard and low. Wasn't the cleanest shot, probably was going straight at the keeper, but it took a deflection and went in and usually it's the other way around. So, I'll, I'll take it. I don't care if it hits every single opposing player. Hits the bar, hits the post, comes off the line and goes in. As long as it hits that net, I am sound with it.
1: I don't care if it hits the line and goes in, as long as the doesn't
2: hit. <laughs> I wish he hit that line today. He was he was winding me up. He was so bad.
1: <laughs> oh, the ref wasn't much better either. But no. We can say that because we won and people don't think it's sour. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, John Busby. You were not, you were not the same referee, ref as against Rotherham
2: <laughs> the first day of the season. Yeah, he was, he was very poor today. He was, yeah, wasn't good.
1: Um, but yeah, I think actually, we, I think we've we about most of the players there, aren't we? The midfielders are probably the ones we haven't touched on too much. Um, I loved loved the energy from Baker Laren. Baker just went around being bigger and see. I thought he was, he, he, he felt like he was quiet today, but I think he just kept things ticking over just get things ticking over and um, let, let other people
2: impress and do the fancy stuff. Yeah. I think it he, he wasn't all on him today. Was it? That was the difference. Usually it's, it's him trying to make things happen, but today he had everybody else doing it with him. Um, so he did go a little bit more unnoticed because he wasn't the good guy of a bad crop. He was kind of a good, you know, one of the good guys out of a whole squad, basically. Um, but yeah, as I said yeah. earlier, it felt like we we had the Laurent we love and the Baker we love playing together. And it's the first time both of them have been like on the game together because usually it's one or the other and then kind of replace each other in the starting up and whatever. But but yeah, both of them were brilliant today. And that midfield three now for me is stuck. Just stay with it because it, yeah, do it did great.
1: For me... I say, the power of them was great. And did you see, you know, what I loved about the second goal when it went in, you could see the emotion in the players. I mean, anyone who thinks that football is, I mean, we've touched on it, anyone who thinks that footballers don't care or they don't put the effort in, they couldn't care less whether you win, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're happy, take money. You just look at the reaction to that second goal going in. Like I say, it's a deflection, so it's not as if it's the 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 strike that they're celebrating as such, do you know what I mean? But it's just the fact that you know we've got the ball in the back of that Middlesbrough net a second time. We've given ourselves a bit of breathing space, and we you know. what, Twenty minutes ago, we feel like it's now really in our hands. Even if something fluky happens down the other end, and yeah, and you know something out, out totally out of the ordinary happens, and the ball ends up in the net, and our net, we've got a bit of a, a safety blanket now because we're two up and look at, you know, how they went sprinting over to the fans, and it, 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 they all went to celebrate, so rather than running in together, they all sort of, like, sort of, um, just spurned off into all different angles, running at, fa- you know, different sections of the fans. Yeah. In that sort of stand. It's like they, they all wanted to celebrate with the fans first and foremost, and then they sort of all congregated together into one massive huddle. I think the only player who wasn't in there was Everson. Well, I did have a look to see if he was over. He, he was having a drink down the other end. Um was his little celebration, as goalkeepers regularly do. <laughs> um But yeah, it was that sort of that raw emotion of of how important they knew that goal was and how important they knew it was for the fans as well. They wanted to sort of share that moment. Um, so they did it individually with the fans and then they sort of shared it as a unit and as a team together. And I really thought that shows that you know, this group of players, I think, are maybe a bit more in tune with each other and with those things we maybe give them credit for at times.
2: Yeah, I think, I think the South, yeah, it, it kind of washed away the whole he's lost the dressing room rumors. If I'm honest, um, I think it was Berger who actually looked towards the bench and was just fist bumping in the air with both hands. Um, Laurent sliding when he wasn't even in who scored. He's on his knee sliding to the fans. He, it was just chaos. Um, I, I didn't catch all of it to be honest. I, I was too busy bear-hugging everyone around me who I've never even spoken to before. Um, but yeah, I, I've watched it back and yeah, like you say, everyone's just kind of, it, it was kind of like a relief celebration, wasn't it? Everyone's just gone running and jumping and just in their own head, it's just screaming, thank God for that. Um, but yeah, it definitely showed they've got some unity within the team. Um, and just to bring up, Baker actually did um he spoke to the media after. Oh, sorry, not Baker, it was LeBron. Um, and he was asked about, obviously, being captain. How has he kind of got the players... Um, got them up for it, basically. Um, and he said that all of the senior lads in the team have basically had meetings together, multiple meetings together. Um, and they've basically given each other some home truths, not to be nasty, but... and. It, the key bit from that was uh, was he said they've like it was realization like they've they've come to realize like where they are and the facts they shouldn't be there, I mean, not to say they shouldn't be there, but yeah they've come to terms of where they are um, and yeah the ability to be higher up the yeah table. Ex- exactly yeah um, and they basically discuss between themselves as players how they're going to fix this and basically got themselves. Up for it, um, which to me is unity on another level. So, yeah, I think the rumours are just that, and the rumours because the celebrations in the team today told me different.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And on the on the point of celebrations, I I think I jumped about ten feet in the air when the first goal went in when Johno scored. Which you know, what I, I literally was in my seat. I jumped out of my seat, I was like, hit it, hit it, and they did. And I jumped up and out of my seat. And you know what, when we've for a long time when we scored, it's been a stand up and applaud you know, maybe a, a fist pump if it was a big goal. But that there was the first massively celebrated goal I think I've, I've done to that extent in a long, long time. It uh, felt like that big and uh, yeah so thank you Stokes, for giving me that moment today <laughs> um, thank you much appreciated these are the reasons why we go to football uh, but yes I think unless there's anything else we'll try to some man of the match some early man of the match results at you yeah Go on. So, who would your pick have been? It's a it's a tough one for the right reasons today. And
2: yeah, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I chose to be on there because <laughs> I couldn't decide. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to have to go with John Howe. He was absolutely immense.
1: Well, you went with the right one because he got 69 votes so far, which is 50. So this bill hole's only been up about an hour, and it's uh, yeah got 138 votes on it already. So yeah, John Howe with 50 percent of the votes. Um, a few people voted for all the team, which I think that's fair enough. Not individually, but as a I man called all the team. Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, fair enough. Uh, a few people put Super Johnny Walters. A few people put the fans. I thought, yes, the fans would have been close for the Man of the Match. Um, second place, there was a Lewis Baker with 13% of the vote. And uh, third place uh, goes to Keanu Hoover with 5%. So it's a good job, Mike's not here. We're going to be
2: fuming. <laughs> oh no that's, why, oh, that's have, why he hasn't come on that's why he hasn't come on uh,
1: I have seen as well uh, Manhoof is also in joint third with five sets as well uh, the only player who hasn't got any votes is poor Pru- and Buenis up front he's run his little legs off all
2: day for <laughs> nothing yeah poor Ernest uh, yeah he, he's like the brown player we've been missing into. Just runs. Yeah.
1: Um, but yes, brilliant. Um, well done, Stoke. Well done to the supporters who were there. Fantastic. Um, thoroughly enjoyable Saturday afternoon. And we haven't been able to say that far enough in the last few years, have we? Um, let's hope it's a turning point. We have had a few false dawns, haven't we, over the last few years? Let's hope that this one is. The start of something that actually builds into something very
2: special fingers crossed let's get into the news
4: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices
1: So, the under 18s, well, they had a bit of a humdinger. They won 5 3 at home to Nottingham Forest on Saturday. All eight goals coming in the first half. So, there's an own goal started at all off before Josh Maskell, Luke Enright, and a Jaden Ogbaboard brace for Stoke. They were actually 5 1 up after 39 minutes. Uh, before yes, it was going to at half time at five three, and that's where it stayed at full time. Uh, this week, the under 18s they host Wolves on Saturday at an eleven a.m. kickoff at Clayton Wood. So the under twenty ones they're going to play twice this week. So they're going to take on Crystal Palace at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium on Monday uh, with a seven p.m. kickoff, and then on uh, and then they travel to Southampton for a seven p.m. kickoff on a Friday. So now, nice trip down to the south coast there to round off a busy week. So the women, they lost 4-1 to Newcastle at the Emory Stadium on uh, Sunday. The, obviously against the, uh, the league's only pro side. Heidi Logan was the uh, goal, but it was nothing more than a consolation for the Potters there. And this coming Sunday, uh, they then travel to Files for their next game, which is a 2pm kickoff next Sunday. Uh, Just a little bit of news that's broke since the last pod is the Huddersfield game, uh, which is at home and going to be on Sky now. So it's still going to be on Easter Monday, still 3M kick-off, but the the game will be on Sky TV. Right, let's get into Leeds. So, we have met Leeds 96 times. We have 31 wins, 18 draws, 47 defeats. At Ellen Road, we have 48 matches, 6 victories, 12 draws and 30 losses. Recently we've lost both of our league visits to Ellen Road central allegation Scoring once and conceding eight goals So not a great recent record A little bit uh, better though was that our biggest ever win away at Leeds Was a 4-0 victory in 2006 Which actually kick-started the club's promotion charge uh, Which resulted in returning to the top flight some 18 months later uh, Stephen Schumacher's record against both the Leeds and their manager Daniel Farker is the same, which was the one-game uh, 2-1 loss at Ellen Road in November. Interestingly, though, Luke Cundall had set up the Plymouth goal that day. Um... So yeah, maybe he could be in line for a return to the starting lineup. Uh, Daniel Farker's record against Stoke is a bit more uh, meat on it. So he's two wins, two defeats and a one draw. Uh, Four games whilst he was in charge of Norwich and one at Leeds. And uh, yes, he's he's hosted Stoke twice before, which was both as Norwich manager with a 4-1 victory and a 1-0 defeat. Now Stoke's away form, they have 16 points which puts them 19th in the away table, Uh, they've lost their last three on their travels after going four unbeaten before that and in the last five matches they've got six points which puts them 16th in the form table. Leeds is home form, they have 43 points from their home forms which puts them top of the home table. They were unbeaten at home all season and have won 13 out of their last 14 home league games. So, yeah, feels so feels going to be an easy game, I reckon. Um, last five matches as well, they have 13 points, uh, which puts them second in the form table. Leeds's draw away at Huddersfield on Saturday ended in one of nine consecutive championship wins, uh, which ended just one short of the league record only Stoke have used more than Leeds it's 33 players whilst only Sunderland uh, side has been younger than Leeds it's average age of 24.6 years Uh, Stoke have more yellow cards 87 than anyone in the division whilst Leeds with just 54 have the lowest Uh, both teams have two reds Stoke have the third most switches of play whilst Leeds have the second lowest so that could be an interesting tactical sort of play there Jorginho Rutter has 12 assists uh, which is the joint most of the division with Leif Davies and Keenan Dewsbury Hall while Cesario Somerville has 23 goal involvements which is only bettered by Morgan Whitaker and Adam Armstrong with 24 and 28 respectively. Uh, Haksa Banovich there with 22.2% and Berger 68.4%. They're both in the top seven in the championship for successful take-ons. So that's an interesting sort of the positive stat there. Stoke, especially if Haksa Banovic returns to the side. Only four players have m- have made more substitute appearances than Jaden Anthony with 22 this year. Uh, Rutter now, he's involved in quite a few fouls, 55 fouls, which is the third highest in the league for him, whilst he is also the league's most foul player, having been uh, fouled 84 times so far this campaign. Only Alex Palmer at West Brom has kept more clean sheets than Melier in goal for Leeds. Whilst this is an interesting one, Jack Bonham has saved more points per 90 minutes relating to XG than any other keeper in the league. So when you look at, um, like, obviously the XG and how many goals he should have conceded compared to how many he has, and when that then transfers into points, Bonham saved more per 90 minutes than any other keeper. Yeah, surprised me too. (laughs) The referee is Oliver Langford. So, yeah, 23 games he's ref this season. 77 yellows, five reds. He's given two penalties. Now, this is good for us. For just the five home wins, six draws and a whopping 12 away wins. We'll take another one of them. Uh, he's ref Stoke on 17 occasions, giving us just 27 yellows and one red, one penalty for, one penalty against. Uh, but we only have three wins from them 17 matches, four draws and ten defeats. Uh, he reffed us this season in the 1-0 loss at Norwich And the 0-0 draw at home to Cardiff uh, He has ref Leeds on 16 occasions Giving them 21 yellows, 2 reds, 3 penalties, 4, 3 against They have 8 wins, 3 draws and 5 defeats when he's got the whistle And he's reffed them uh, this season 3 times all the way from home uh, 1-1 draws at Salford and Rotherham And a 3-0 victory at Cardiff uh, on this day, 5th of March 2003 Chris Greenacre scored the only goal as Stoke bright Brighton 1-0 to move themselves out of the relegation zone in the Championship uh, But yes, hopefully that's an omen Right, let's listen now uh, So we've got some audio from obviously the man, the myth, the legend Graham McGarry and also uh, from Adonis who, is, who runs a Leeds podcast Hello there you Potters predictors nice to catch up with you as you get ready for a midweek game at uh, the passionate uh, place of Ellen Road where you take on Leeds United third in the table but you've also got to be able to stay in the game and silence those supporters Well, you got the win it was a relief as well on Saturday to beat Middlesbrough by two goals to nil it's a tall order to try and get something back from Ellen Road but will that give them some confidence well it surely should do even though many people will not be giving Stoke a chance but football's a funny old game as we know over the many many years that we've followed it and reported on it and give predictions not easy to get predictions right in the championship so this will be a surprise if it happens Leeds United 1 Stoke City 1
4: Hi, Dan, it's Adonis from the Roaring Peacock podcast. Uh, Leeds have just had a club record winning streak ended by ten man Huddersfield, but still it is 28 out of 30 points so far in 2024 for the Peacocks. You asked about our style. Our style is a a possession based 4-2-3-1. We we play quite cautiously most of the time. If one fullback goes forward, the other will sit back. We're best in transition. That's part of the reason why we dominate after scoring first. We struggle most against teams who sit deep and defend well against us. We, We have trouble breaking them down. Nearly every team who tries to take the game to us comes unstuck on the counter. And that's how we did the double over teams like Leicester and Ipswich. The Leeds fans' feeling and confidence is cautiously high. Obviously, winning nine games in a row makes anyone... Uh, I believe it, but but the table is so tight at the top that it does feel like every game is a must-win. The anxiety uh, is not pleasant, but that is part of being a Leeds fan in general, and it's better than it's better to have a meaningful season than than finishing mid-table, for example. Obviously, you guys have the opposite issue, which we had the last two seasons, which is not fun. Um, Players to watch out for obviously include Crescencio Somerville, who Huddersfield successfully doubled up on, even when they had 10 men, so they had 10 men, two were on Somerville at all times. Uh, We have loads of players who can have a great game, but uh, Somerville has been the one to consistently perform with goals and assists for us. Uh, the other player I'd suggest you keep an eye on is Archie Gray. He's the, the teenager having a breakout season, and he comes from a family who have had a member in a Leeds starting eleven for twenty five percent of the club's games since the nineteen sixties. Uh, you asked my thoughts on Stoke. I'll be honest. Apart from the. Uh, the meme of a cold Tuesday night, I rarely think about Stoke. Sorry, it's nothing against you guys. I just mostly think about Leeds, probably like you mostly think about your team. It's good to see Lewis Baker has found a home. Um, he never looked settled in his spell with us. I remember uh, beating you guys 3-1 in Bielsa's first game in charge. And beho- beforehand, before the start of that season, you, were, you guys were one of the favourites to return to the Premier League, so I am surprised to see a club of your history uh, in in the relegation zone. Uh, you also asked for a prediction. I'm going to have to predict a return to winning ways for Leeds United back at home under the lights at Ellen Road. Uh, a solid 3-0 win for the Whites. Sorry guys, uh, but good luck for the rest of the season after Tuesday. Cheers.
1: Right then, thank you for that uh, Adonis and thank you of course to Graham uh, who has remembered that we are actually playing away and so he sort of forgot. I don't, know if, I don't know if that went under the radar and people noticed but Graham thought we were playing at the Riverside on Saturday
2: We weren't, <laughs> so did I with the picture
1: <laughs> um, But yes, right, Tom how are we going to... What are we going to do here? Are we are we going for two wins in two? Are we... We've got a tough game at Preston at the weekend. Are we prioritising that? God forbid. And rest in a few. Do we just leave it in the face of Shuru Roulette? Uh, anywhere you can see? Any weaknesses you can see in Leeds? Any any chinks in the armour? Hit me with it. What, what, how are we going to win?
2: Um... <laughs> um. <laughs> I, th- I think what you just said there is a very good point. The chances of us getting anything are slim, and I think we've got a better chance at Preston. So it's it's a case of, do we go for it at Leeds? And then we are still losing, and then probably then losing to Preston too, because it's the third game in a week, or do we rest players and risk getting an absolute pelting and goal difference becoming even worse than what it already is? Um, I think personally I'm I'm 50-50 between keeping the same team and system and basically just parking the buzz and hoping for the best um, and trying to grind out a point Um, but on the back of that performance and the atmosphere and what the atmosphere is like around the club in the minute, I could see Shui going for it with a couple of changes.
1: Yeah, it's a real tough one, isn't it? Because you just think the impact, if we could get, even if it was just a point from Leeds, just the positivity and everything else that, that would come back from that, it'd just be immense, wouldn't it? But, like I say, if you're playing the long game... And if you're looking at these fixtures and thinking where where are our best chances of picking up points in certain weeks of the season, then you would say we're more likely to get something from Preston than Leeds. And I I look at it. I think you can't underestimate how much that game against Middlesbrough could well have taken out of these players. And I'm talking physically, emotionally. You know they they had all they had all the build up. You know, we had all the build up. They wouldn't they weren't shielded from that. They were well involved with all that, weren't they? You know they had meetings. Like I said, they had meetings with Walters uh, You said after you, know, Lorraine was saying they'd been meeting with each other. They everything was put into that game, and it was like we must win, and they did. And like I say, how much that can physically and emotionally take out of you to ask them then to do what is probably is up there is one of the two probably toughest games that you will have this season. And, you know, Leeds have probably only put Leicester away in front of it. So to go to Ellen Road, to a team who won more points at home than any other in the division, and ask them, you know, a team who had won nine games in a row before Saturday, and you want them then to get themselves back up and to do that. And even if, I mean, I said into that I believe these players are good footballers, uh, maybe fragile, whatever, even with the best one in the world, they can be very good championship footballers and still go to leads and Lose. And if they do that, and like I say, they've... They've expended so much energy on Saturday and then they go to Tuesday and they're going to be chasing the ball for such a long time. They're going to be on edge. They're going to have to concentrate so much. Even if they're behind, they're going to have to keep concentrating to stop it. the you know, leads just going and going and going. And you think what's going to be left of them for Preston on Saturday if they do do that? Now, defensively, I, don't think, I think the back four is going to have to be the back four. because to me we haven't got the options and also with Thompson back from his ban on Saturday, there is one option that you can just refresh some legs with Gooch uh, at left back if you wanted to Um, but yeah, we haven't really got unless you wanted to bring Clark in and go five at the back, there isn't really any or maybe um, go three centre half, put a Hoover on the right hand side and put Larice as a right wing back other than that, I think the defence sort of picks itself. Do
2: you? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, yeah, I've, I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier. I'm 50-50 on whether to keep the system or we'll amend it slightly just because, obviously, it's Leeds. It's a, it's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, yeah, I think I can see him go with the five at the back, if I'm honest with what you said. Hoover's the right centre back, Levy's on the right. Um, and usually what he tends to do with that is Levy's will push forward and Hoover will come across and it'll kinda of turn into a back four whilst whilst we're on the attack. Um But yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very tough, but like you said earlier, it's the championship. Stranger things have happened. Um, I know they're unbeaten however many it is now but these things come to an end I mean look at Leicester was it, they lost two in 32 and now they've lost the last three um, including today against QPR which I'm just looking at the stats of that game actually QPR had three shots all game and scored two and Leicester had 18 and scored one with 74% possession so if we could do something like that <laughs> if it's scrappy I really don't care just Try and keep it out and hopefully we can nick one on the other end.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think
1: um I, I take that. I'm quite happy to I mean I say this, I'll see what my heart says when we're actually living through being one-nil up and having and, mean, shots pelted at us left, right and centre. <laughs> um I think as well. So actually, I I think I mentioned earlier on that, that Leeds just keep throwing more and more attackers on, don't they? That is sort of their game plan. Of okay, this isn't we aren't winning. Let's just shove another striker on. Let's just shove another striker on and another one. And I think what happens is you sort they sort of end up maybe losing the shape a bit, and you can probably um, take advantage of that as as sort of you know as they go across. I mean look at their attacking options here. They've got they made like they, they brought on sort of um uh Jane Anthony who'd scored two against Chelsea. Didn't he score against um yeah, I yeah, know, did, sorry, yeah it was it was uh Matthew Joseph wasn't it? Ah uh, yeah yeah. So they've got Matthew Joseph who scored two against Chelsea in the week They've got Jade Anthony on the striker, they've got Dan James, they've got Joel Perreault. Um, they've got, obviously, they've got Bamford, they've, uh, they've got Somerville, they've got Rutter, who's got more assists than anyone in the league, they've got Nonto. So, yeah, yeah, I think, going forward, it's probably their strength, I think
2: it's fair to say. Yeah, it's borderline unfair, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really not fair. Um, I mean, you made a good point the other day um, that, you know, they played Chelsea midweek last week. They got a Yorkshire derby today, um, and then they got a Yorkshire derby afterwards on Saturday as well against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so whether they will rest some players like they did at our place where we managed to nip it 1-0, I wouldn't be against them um, resting uh, Rotterdam and Somerville, let's put it that way.
1: No, exactly. And I think, I think they'll probably will sort of, you know, jig around with that sort of forward line. Um, I think who played, I so said, Nonto, Rutter, Somerville and Bamford wouldn't surprise me if all four of them didn't start the game on Tuesday. And like I say, they brought in so, you know, Joseph and, and uh, Dan James, for example. So, it, and, and sort of Anthony and that. So, with that... <laughs> And you mentioned there about the Chelsea game, didn't you? It's such a shame that game didn't go to extra time. We'd have loved them to have an extra half an hour chasing the ball, Stamford Bridge. um but yeah so I, I suppose the interesting thing there is obviously they've had nine league wins in a row so they are in that and teams do get in that sort of routine don't they of go out win the game go out win the game go out win it's interesting when it goes on for such a long time bear in mind it was that like this entire calendar year they'd won every league game when that all of a sudden stops I think and I think we've seen this with Leicester, aren't we, at the minute in Southampton. Southampton was it twenty five games unbeaten? And then yes, their it form. I mean they came they showed a bit of you know, a bit of courage, a bit of guts to come back at St Andrews, did against Birmingham uh, this weekend to win four three. But they're another one who when that run ends, it can take three, four games before you sort of get going again. And I just wonder I say nine consecutive league wins. The, the record is ten of all time. So I was actually hoping they beat Huddersfield because I thought no one's ever won eleven in a row. So <laughs> if, if, they, <laughs> and, and if they win the tenth, then the blip is only the, that blip and that off game is going to be one game closer, whether it's Stoke. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so obviously they've done that. They've they went to Chelsea. They put all that effort in there, but came up short. I know I mean, they made a few changes, I believe, for that game as well. So, um, but the game, like I say, still lost last minute. That will have hurt. They have then gone to Huddersfield. They've gone behind. They've gone. Huddersfield they went down to ten men before half time, and they could still draw with them. So. Again, local derby. There'll probably be a few, bruised, a few bruised egos that they didn't win the game and a few bruised bodies from, obviously, the tackles and then sort of the, the the game and as it played out. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we are playing them and catching them at a good time. Um, for me, I'm going to sort of pop into my sort of team here, I think. I'm going to go with the three centre-backs I don't I don't want to really I wouldn't like to have changed it uh, if we were playing Preston mid-week and Leeds at the weekend I'd have stuck with a back four on that but for this game I think we just need that little bit of added protection there so I'm going to stick Hoover on the right he's got a good pace to cover um, we've got uh, obviously Wilmot in the middle and sort of Rose in there as well on the left-hand side uh, we're going to have Guccia left wing back, Larice right wing back. I'm going to have Berger sitting in the midfield. And I think I'm going to be uh, sitting there with... He's going to be sitting in there with Pearson and Baker. So I'm going to have the three of them in the midfield. And then I'm going to be playing... I, mean, I think I've said it a few times lately, but I would like to see uh, is Ennis... Um, up front, and I'm going to have uh, Manhof sort of buzzing around off him. And I think if I was the manager, if it went sort of, I don't know, say two nil, I would not hesitate in changing those forward players. And maybe look at you know, because you've you've got options, it's not like you're throwing the game away, you've got decent players to bring on. Um but yeah, say we went 2-0 down or we were two nil down at half time. I would I wouldn't be sending any out for the second half or man, oh, You know, you can put Vidigal and Campbell up front and I'm sure Vidigal would, you know relish playing in a more central role. I think he's far more dangerous that in that sort of areas. Uh but yeah, I think that team uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna not have much of the ball, are we? Let's face it, Mitch. Um So, for me, I think we need to be a team who pick up the ball and sort of drive forward really quickly, move through the gears, going forward quickly, and get it from our penalty box to their penalty box um, before they can get them back and regroup, because they are going to be sending people forward. And I think that is the best thing because I think, like I say, Manhoff, he hasn't got a set position there. He can pick up areas. He's going to have a lot of space to move into. And if nothing else, if if he starts getting the ball, and becomes a danger, and they start sort of watching him more closely and getting closer to him in the areas he drifts into, then that gives him a perfect opportunity to drag defenders into wide areas and places like that that they don't want to be. And then that plays into Ennis's game then, because that gives Ennis more space um, for people to play, you know, Baker and Berger and that to play him, play him in. So yeah, that, that's my sort of tactics for it. I do think, like I say, I think we're going to be spend a lot of the game without the ball, a lot of the game under the cosh and I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be against some early substitutions, half-time and early second half if we are losing to protect the legs for future games. I would probably understand that.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, somewhat on the the same level to be fair I would go I think Iverson I think his his distribution wasn't too good today but you know he made that big save so hopefully that gives him a bit of confidence because I watched him quite a bit at Leicester um, and he is a good shot stopper I think he's just he's just been a bit off I'm going to go with Hoover Rose McNally back three I'm also going to go Levis on the right Gooch on the left um, and this is where I, oh, I was a bit tied up with it now because I don't want, really want to lose any of the midfield three from today but we need to rest legs so I'm also going to go Pearson just for that added cover um, I'm going to go Berger and then I'm actually going to use a front three I'm going to go
3: Ennis Campbell um and Bay I think Bay. yeah
2: just keep yeah I think Bay just has to be on for me I think he's if if we're gonna play one of them games where it's counter attacking and we're soaking up the pressure and hitting fast I think Bay's definitely someone who can make something happen on the counters um and just going back to the actual tactics I think if we can get to half time. Nil nil, somehow. <laughs> um, and then we get into, we come into the second half and say we get to around the 60th minute. I would not be against switching it to a 4 3 and just trying to give it a go. And usually, when that happens, if a team's pressure throwing pressure at your all game and all of a sudden you flip the switch and you give it them back, you can catch them out sometimes. Um, but yeah even getting to the 60th minute is a big ass but weird things have happened especially this weekend and last weekend uh, where every team around us has decided to start beating the top six but yeah that's what I'm going with
1: goddamn championship. <laughs> it's championship
2: it is, it is it's definitely it's got to be the most entertaining league it's just ridiculous isn't it I mean what was that saying earlier um, I'm just trying to get it up now so Watford in twelfth, Stoke twenty second, six points separating bottom three and top half, with eleven games to go. Like that is nuts.
1: It's like if we'd have won one more game, we wouldn't be twenty second. We'd be is it fifteenth, sixteenth? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, even if we had won two games, we'd be joint twelfth. So you think that two... How many games have we thrown away with one silver mistake this season? It's got to be four or five. If we if we had won even three of them, we'd be... Yeah, we'd be top half. It's it's so close, and being bottom three is not good, but I think today, especially when you've looked to the league after the results, it's just... It's so close. Two games can take you from bottom three to top half. It's nuts. <laughs> Oh.
1: Uh, right, um, is there anything else you want to add, mate, before we get into sort of Super Sex Gaffer?
2: Um, nope, nothing for me, mate.
1: Right, so we're getting close to the end of this pod now so let's just look uh, at some Super 6. So, Mike's not here but I can tell you he got 10 points this week. Uh, now sits 68th in the table with 319 points. Whilst I picked up 14 this weekend to move up to forty six overall with 336. Uh, the top scorer for the week was Nathan Brown with a whopping 24 points. So, well done to you mate. And the top scorer for February was Adam Baines who got an 80 point during last month uh, overall though, Nicholas Yates still leads the way on 397, Sean Flanagan on 396, now, there's a three way tie for third now on 387 between Sean Hugh, Michael Gadge, and Michael Hazeldean uh, Gaffer I've moved up again, another place 33rd, ooh 76 points I picked up this week, to go to the 1985 uh, top score for the week was FPL Toffee Tim, who got 126 uh whilst Stoker's base still leads the way, uh, followed by Athurwood Joe and Mr. Kadri back up into third. Right, Tom, would you like a who am I? Usually Mike throws a who am I at me. Um so I have a hastily arranged one. Uh would you like would you like to see if you can find who I am?
2: <laughs> On. I'll give it a go as, as, as long as it's within my area. Uh, my <laughs> uh,
1: I had two spells at Stoke City between 2006 and 2013, uh, making 109 league appearances, scoring 11 goals. Ooh, 2006 and
3: 2013. Hmm. I'm not sure on that one. Okay, so
1: I was—I was sent out on loan to Royal Antwerp in Belgium, and but after an incident involving the referee after a lost playoff game at the end of the season, I was banned from football for twelve
3: months. Although that was reduced to four on appeal. Oh, who was that? It's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, who played for Royal Antwerp and Stoke? Was it. Um,
1: was it delay? Delayed? No, although he did play for Royal Antwerp. Uh, right. But not, yes. Uh, Stoke were not the only team in red and white stripes. Uh, that I played for. I also played for Southampton, Sunderland, and Sheffield United.
3: Southampton, Sunderland, and Sheffield United. Hmm. Sunderland, Southampton, Sheffield United. Oof. No no. (laughs) Nothing's coming to me
1: I made my international debut In November 2013 At the age of 34
2: So he was 34 in 2013 And he joined Stoke in 2013
1: No he left Stoke
2: in 2013 Oh he left Stoke in
1: 2013 Yeah he joined in He had two spells Between 2006 and
2: 2013 Ah okay wasn't Cameron, was it?
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't Cameron. Um, the fifth clue I'll give you: He, uh, I scored the winning goal in the FA Cup quarter final against West Ham um, with a uh, kick.
2: Yeah, Danny Aggerbottom. That one got me. Yes,
1: yes. So uh, yeah, Danny Aggerbottom started off at Man United uh went out on loan to uh, Royal Antwerp for the season. He then went to Derby, then he went to Southampton, then to Stoke, then to Sunderland for a year, then back to Stoke. Um a couple of those bars before he joined Sheffield United. Uh his international career He was for Gibraltar.
2: Yes, it was Gibraltar Once it? I was just just thinking I I thought I swear he's English. Uh, yeah I forgot about the whole Gibraltar saga. Yes, so
1: he uh, he played for Gibraltar in November. He retired from club football in the January, but carried on playing for Gibraltar for uh, that's another six months or so. And then, yes, uh, obviously he was scored the winning goal in the quarter-final, but never made the semis or the final, did he? Because he uh, injured his knee. And that was it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a great free kick that, though. I think I've, I'm pretty sure I was there that day. Um... Didn't okay, he score so
1: one, well. Yeah, didn't he score one similar
2: against Newcastle as well, a few a couple of weeks earlier? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. Um, yeah, cause I, I don't think he'd even taken a free kick before, had he? And then he just started smashing the middle left side. centre. I don't even <laughs> think he was aiming, he just hit him as hard as he could with him for the best, but yeah. he, he got us to Wembley, so yeah, I'll take it.
1: I know. You see him. You see him doing that with free kicks from like twenty-five yards. So you think, I wonder what goalkeepers must have thought when he was taking penalties from twelve.
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah, he couldn't hit one, could he? Yeah,
1: please, please, God, I don't want to save this. Let you go. In. <laughs> <laughs> it's either going in the net or uh, or missing the target because I ain't saving it. So I'm jumping out the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, a quick jump after it goes in just to make it look good. <laughs>
1: Well, well done, mate. You've got it anyway. You've got it on the fifth clue. Uh, well done. Let's, um, yeah, let's, let's hope for the best. Let's keep the faith with them regardless of what happens on Tuesday. You know, it's going to be a tough game. It doesn't matter who we select, who we, you know, who we play. You know, Leeds are a damn good, damn good side, aren't they, in this division. Um, and let's hope that we can build on our results and uh, their sort little blip over the past few couple of games.